I know there's a lot of smart people trying to make improvements, you know, so I'm, I'm hopeful. But I also think that like parents have to be very, very active and vocal um, in order to try to make the, you know, the situation as good as possible for their kids. This is Jessica Pate, your host for Brave Together podcast. I am here to serve, encourage, and inspire you in your journey as a special needs mom. This is your tribe. This is your community, your place to be reminded that you are not alone. Follow along as I share stories, inspiration, and resources just for you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And I'm so, so excited about our two guests that we have for you. We have Erin Yolek, who is an educational therapist and advocate. And we have Grace Clark, who's a special education attorney. And these two are fireballs and they are resourceful and they are passionate about helping special needs families. And today's topic is navigating IEPs and distance learning. And at the time of this recording, we are done with the school year. And by the time this drops, the new school year will begin. And we have no idea what it's going to look like for our families, for our children, and our services. And so Erin and Grace are here to present some really great information and there's a chance that things will change in the next couple of months. And if so, we will do a part two. Just know that you're in good hands today. Welcome, Erin and Grace. Hello, hello. I will um, introduce myself a little bit more. I'm Erin Yolak, and I am a very passionate educational advocate. Um, I started off teaching special education in private school and public school started some ed therapy on the side, and then realized my calling was advocacy. Grace, you want to share a little bit about yourself? Sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Grace Clark. I'm a special education attorney. Uh, I've been practicing a practicing attorney for 20 years, and um, initially I worked in the, in the area of civil rights. I did appellate work for a long time and trial work, and in the last about five or six years ago, one of my children was diagnosed with dyslexia and ADHD and dysgraphia. And we had the hardest time in school and figuring out how to get the appropriate kind of education for him. And we had IEP meetings and we worked with advocates and we worked with attorneys. And I realized that there's such a need because even though I considered myself a well-rounded you know, person, I had no idea how to negotiate the school system. And after I kind of fought this battle for my own child, I started helping friends informally and um, felt very passionately about wanting to help educate parents and families and help educate the schools about you know, our kids who learn differently. And so I started practicing special education law full-time and recently um, met up with Aaron and realized by working together, we could really hit any you know, problem that families face between her skill set and my skill set. And it's been really fun to see the changes we've been able to make both in uh, the school system and just with helping families navigate and be, have a successful experience in the public schools. 
Well, thank you so much because it's overwhelming to navigate regional center, which is what we call in our state of California, the state agency that provides services and to navigate through the school district. It's, there's so much that nobody tells you. Nobody hands you at your first IEP a manual for your school district. Um, no. so. <laughs> well, they say they do, right? With procedural <laughs> rights and safeguards, but who reads those? Because they're very long and very detailed. And it's almost like reading Japanese when you have no history or background or knowledge of, of reading Japanese. Absolutely. And it's hard to be in conflict with people who are caring for your children. It goes against, you know, yeah. our belief that we want the people with our kids to feel warm toward our children. And so having someone else to be able to come in and be the bad guy can really save that relationship for parents. Yes, that is an excellent point. It is an excellent point. It is very hard to be confrontational and I, you know, especially if you're a conflict avoidant and, but you know, your child needs more, deserves more, should have more, would thrive with more services or a different plan. So thank you again. I, I'll just keep saying thank you to both of you. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we're, we're happy to do this. And, you know, I want to just piggyback on what you just said in the sense that a lot of parents don't know that they can have more or that their children should be receiving more. So I am going to just tell you guys a few problems that we have been encountering. So since COVID-19 and since school closure, our parents were noting that IEP services were not being received or they were significantly reduced. So since distance learning went into effect, teachers and service providers were extremely confused as to what they were supposed to be doing. Um, the delivery of service went from, you know, in-person, in-school, what they'd been doing all school year, to this distance learning model. And a lot of our students with unique needs don't do well being on a Zoom speech session or a Zoom OT session, and that was a big challenge. So before spring break, there was a lot of just no services happening. Um, and then once spring break hit, the districts used that time to get a little bit more organized. And you know, I, I know that services did increase, um, but not all services increased by any means parents, you know, don't necessarily know all the modifications that their children need. And um, it becomes very confusing when all of a sudden parents are expected to even look at this IEP and go, okay, here's what my child is supposed to do. How do I get them to do it without doing it for them? So there was a lot of confusion of how parents were supposed to take over for teachers and whether or not that was really what was supposed to happen. Schools were not providing individualized instruction or if they were, it was significantly reduced. The expectation that parents are now teachers is very unreasonable and Parents are not only trying to hold a job, they're trying to just continue doing what they were doing when their kids were at school. And now they are needing to sit right by their child's side, walking them through all of their academic needs and their service needs, whether that's behavior, support. It is a very big burden on parents and households. 
not everything is getting done. And that's something that Grace and I have been stressing that it's okay that not everything is getting done. We were dealing with the whole world in a total crisis, but then our little micro crisis at home, I think for so many families, and I can say for my own, became so overwhelming, you know, something had to give. And I think a lot of parents just did what they could, which is totally acceptable. What we want to try to do is take note of the most important things that these students really need to at least maintain and figure out how we can continue that for this upcoming school year and what supports are appropriate to ask for from the school district. In normal circumstances, when a client would come to me, I didn't feel like I had to remind my families what was going on around them. But I think just because of all the stress of trying to make everything work, everyone was getting so concerned that their children were falling so far behind. Mm -hmm. And I did have to do a lot of, and, and still do a reminding everybody that everybody's falling behind for the most part. So this coming year, like Jessica said, at first, we don't know what is coming. Grace and I have heard multiple rumors of, you know, a mixed model mm -hmm. where you go to school for a couple hours a day, or even in some circumstances, a couple hours a week. And then the rest is an online model. We've heard where it actually will be mandatory to go to school. You know, and then there's school's going to be closed because there might be another wave of COVID where there's a huge stay at home order again. And what's the point of opening the doors? We don't know what it's going to look like, but we do have ideas of no matter how it looks, what we need to start paying attention to, what we need to start writing down, what we need to start thinking about, no matter what model. Um, we are presented with because that's completely out of our control. So what, what should parents be noting during this time? That is the most important as far as moving forward for parents to know what they can do in order to improve their circumstances. I think, you know, the first thing that I tell parents when they've called, you know, the clients that I've had before COVID and we're talking about how to navigate the school closure is I tell them to do the best that they can under the circumstances because it's not ideal for anybody. Wall Street Journal article that came out a few weeks ago that kind of um, reported on the overall distance learning as being kind of a failure. Um, I don't know if that's true or, or if it's trying to be inflammatory, but I've seen a lot of districts kind of pick up on that. And I've seen that article kind of spread around because um, it was so hard and teachers had to make adjustments very fast and they didn't have time to plan and they didn't have time to prepare. The same thing with families, you know, people were trying to work from home and all of a sudden had responsibilities to their children and it was chaos. I think that everybody who had kids in school, especially public school, um, lived in chaos and is still, or still living in chaos as we try to figure yeah. it out. But I think going forward, uh, it can be a little more organized now that school districts are having some time to um, prepare. I think parents can know that everyone is experiencing uh, a period of chaos and it's not just them. But I do think that children with special needs have more of a disadvantage and um, their risk of a widening learning gap is a much higher than mm -hmm. 
children who learn typically. So, um, so while it's hard for everybody, our kids with special needs really do need more, more support and more attention to make sure that they, uh, you know, don't fall even farther behind than their peers that learn typically. So what parents can do is to ask for help from the school. So when, when I, advise families, I like to start at the kind of easiest thing for them to do on their own. And as that starts to kind of not work for them, then, you know, I come in or Aaron comes in and supports them at meetings. And if we can't get what we need at that point, then we can go to due process. So our remedy kind of increases as as the needs increase. But the easiest thing to do is to start, you know, at the beginning with a parent making a request. The California Department of Education said in March that IEPs didn't necessarily need to be amended for distance learning. That doesn't mean that they can't be amended. So the first thing to do would just not to ask for a whole meeting, but maybe talk to the people working with your child and see if you can make informal accommodations um, that would help your child. So, so some examples of this was um, I had a client who had a child who had uh, trouble organizing all of their as a middle school student who had all of a sudden six distance learning classes to keep track of. And when he would go to school before the school closure, he received support from the school to organize his binder. He had binder checks and he had a teacher signing his agenda every day for what his classwork was going to be. And so he had kind of things built into his day that helped him stay organized. And then all of a sudden when he came home for distance learning, all of that was out the window and he just had all of these assignments to come through and to manage every different class, whether they gave daily assignments or weekly assignments, when to turn them in, how to turn them in, when to get it done every day. And he was totally overwhelmed and couldn't figure out what to do when. So that family, um, we worked out with that child's case manager that um, they would have a video conference on Monday and his case manager taught him how to make a schedule and that what he was going to do every day of the week. And that really helped. So, so the school was able to make that accommodation and help him without making a formal IEP amendment um, because they were responsive, but they didn't know that that was this child's problem. And they didn't know how to create that um, support without us, you know, making that request. Also for aid support, I know that different districts weren't doing aid support at first. And now, you know, I've had parents make requests that the aides come into their homes. And right now that's not happening, but what they can do is have different Google, let's say they're using the Google Meet program. They have different rooms that the different aides are in. The students that have aides would go into the, the room that their aide was attending and then the teacher would oversee those rooms. Now it's different, let's say, if you need um, behavior assistance, for instance, but if you need academic assistance like most of these kids do, they were providing aid support, even if students didn't have it on their IEP, but they were needing it during distance learning. They were allowing these students to hop into um, these little virtual classrooms and get the support just so, just yeah. similar to what was happening in the classroom when there's you know when there's an aide in the classroom for a student they do tend to blend in and try to blend in 
And so if a student's going to ask the aide a question, it's, it's, it's not necessarily going to say, I can't answer your question. They're going to support the student. So they're just providing these little, little pods for extra help. Yeah, I've had mixed reviews with that. I've had I, a lot of districts don't let their aides work with the children without a teacher present. Yeah, I think what they were doing is have having the teacher in all three rooms, if that makes sense. Like the teacher's logged into all three rooms, but then there's an aide in each room. So another situation that, you know, that we were able to work out was a, a child who normally receives speech and language services and the school was sending home worksheets for the child that were supposed to demonstrate different language situations and how the child should respond. And the parent, you know, told me this is just doing nothing for my child. Like they can't really get anything out of this worksheet, but they really liked the speech therapist that he worked with at school. So um, we were able to work out that that child could get some video conference time to go over those worksheets instead of have it all just be worksheet based. And we just did that by asking. Another situation is a, a school that wasn't giving video conference with a younger child because the child couldn't really interact, you know, with a computer. Uh, so that child received OT and we we changed the OT instead of having, you know, direct service with the child, we had the OT have a video conference with the parent and kind of consult and give the parent some exercises to do with the child. The child could still kind of receive the physical OT service, even though it wasn't by the service provider, it was by the parent, which at the direction of the OT. Um, so that, that was a way of still getting those kind of physical services that you couldn't really do over video conference. Another situation, sometimes you could just need to ask for an IEP meeting. And I actually think that we're going to start recommending this more as we go into school in the fall, because I think when school, the schools first closed, nobody knew exactly how long the school closure would be. Right. We, right now it's looking like a more permanent thing. And so I think the idea of amending IEPs they're more open to it. I, I know the IEP meetings I had in kind of May and June, you know, they were kind of talking about next year and the IEP as if we're going to all be back at school. They were really reluctant to make a distance learning plan. And so every single time I'd say, okay, so this looks like a good IEP, but what are we going to do if it's distance learning? And they were reluctant to do it, but making kind of a plan B is really helpful because you can kind of build in the idea that if a child is supposed to receive a certain kind of support that won't translate, you can figure out how to translate it, like I was giving in the previous example, so that the child can still get the benefits. So just to kind of summarize, <laughs> the, the yeah. things that parents can do, you know, are to make these requests to the school in an informal way. Um, and if the requests are big or if they don't feel like they're getting response, then to request an IEP meeting. And then, you know, it's a team that are supposed to support the child. So if you don't have all the answers, say, but you know what the questions are, you can ask the team. Say, this is the problem. My child can't get started. My child can't interact with the screen. My child can't stay organized. You know, my child isn't benefiting from the worksheets. And let the team come up with an answer for how to make an adjustment to distance learning. I think that school districts really do recognize that, uh, that this distance learning is not an appropriate substitute for regular school. No, not even for our typicals. It's not at all. No, not even for typical kids. And so, you know, so our kids with learning issues are even, you know, worse off. And so there's something called compensatory education. That is like a fund um, 
where a school compensates you with this fund to provide services that they should have supplied but didn't supply, and you're supposed to use that fund toward like making up those services. So it's an amount of money usually that then would be that you would be awarded to spend on, you know, maybe like one-on-one services outside of the school district, like private therapy in order to kind of narrow the gap. And it's awarded by a school district when they didn't do what they were supposed to do, right? It's going to be up to parents to be able to provide documentation to establish that your child didn't receive what they were entitled to receive during distance learning. Okay. Does that make sense? Yep, yeah. that makes sense. So, so the IDEA, which is a federal law that provides uh, that every child gets a free appropriate public education is the law that is still in place um, and hasn't gone away. And there was, you know, discussion. Congress told our education secretary that she could make waivers to the IDEA and propose them to Congress. And she came back with a letter that said, we don't want to do that. We, you know, we're going to keep the IDEA in place and every child has the right to succeed and to learn and to move forward. So the IDEA is still valid, good law and schools don't really get a pass to say, well, it was a really hard time. So we didn't teach kids with disabilities. They have to still Mm. um, help your child meet their IEP goals, basically. Mm. So to the extent that that's not happening, there's a possibility of either compensatory education or of schools offering something you know, additional for our kids to try to still have them move forward in their learning. So parents need to document what's been happening and that will help them be able to establish that you know, the schools didn't provide enough education and support for the child to move forward. So um, that documentation can look like um, trying to, you know, kind of writing down what your child is receiving Um, Is there a special education teacher working with your child and what does that look like? Are they modifying the general education assignments? Are they meeting with video conference and giving your child special assignments? Um, How how much time is taking place? How is your child able to work independently? What is their, you know, they call it in schools present levels of performance. So like that's what your child can sit down and do without help. So like where their present level of performance is, at the beginning of distance learning is a good place for parents to kind of keep track of so that you can monitor where they, how they grow or if they, you know, go backwards. If they have behaviors that interfere with their ability to tend to their work, because at school there's so much social pressure and like the structure of school that helps kids attend to their work. And when that's gone, a lot of times kids have trouble coming to the table and learning. You know, for any parents who are struggling to understand what present levels of performance actually mean, we have a document that we've created that can help track the student's goals along with how much the parent had to help because because the vocabulary and the verbiage is different in school than it is at home. I think that there's a disconnect between sometimes if the IEP says front load or scaffold, right? And those those could be terms that teachers would understand and the parents might understand it from a different perspective, but not really from a an academic teaching standpoint. They might need to know this is what I did to help my child and then have somebody like us look at, oh, well, this is the accommodation that's on their IEP, way to go. Or, you know, this is what you did. And at school, they're actually doing that part independently 
because I, I think that parents also just don't know. They're expected to know how their child's performing. We can help them dive into that and document it so they have that material going into the beginning of this coming year. You know, I can say this for the students that I had IEPs within the last couple of weeks of school, the progress reports noted school closure and lack of progress and that, that goals weren't met because of school closure. And if we think about what Grace just mentioned, there, there aren't any waivers for lack of, of progress, right? So how much progress should they, they make? That's a really hard question to ask a parent. We're here to help with that. We can help look at your IEP and look at the work that was actually done once school closure happened and come up with a better understanding for the parent to begin school, to be able to say, well, you know, on the progress reports, it's noted that you couldn't uh, measure if my child made progress, but, you know, why don't you take a look at how I've charted whether or not they've made progress. And that helps the team also understand starting the new year, mom or dad or whoever's paying attention and we're going into this year and we're hoping to make progress on our IEP goals. So kind of sets the stage for the school to know that, that parents are paying attention and know more than they knew maybe traditionally or at, at old IEPs. So we can help out with that if, you, if anybody needs it. That was a lot of great information. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. It's overwhelming. It's overwhelming just to navigate work and our kids and their needs and their education. And then, you know, you've got, you know, families who have multiple kids with learning differences and challenges and needs or behaviors and, you know, and then trying to really understand our rights and what we should be documenting and paying attention to, like you said, it's a lot. It's really, really a lot. I told one of our heads who called me just to check in about the extended school year, summer school for Ryan. I just said right up front, distance learning is terrible for everyone, every age, typical or special needs. (laughs) This is why I love you because that is what they need to hear they need to hear somebody say and parents say, this is horrible. Not so much for the fact of like, open your doors, let my kid come to school, right? If that's not, if that's not realistic, that's not realistic, but kind of, okay, we're going to settle. This is horrible. We're not going to say anything. And then there's still an expectation left. I, I've been following you know, different districts, they all have their own little task force or think tank about what to do for this coming up year. And what's going to be funny is every district is going to do a different thing. And they all have very vastly different ideas of what's going to go on. But what I do think will happen is that we may see different models even within one district over the course of the year. So I think this idea of that it's been really bad, I know there's a lot of smart people trying to make improvements, you know, so I'm, I'm hopeful, but I also think that like parents have to be very, very active and vocal um, in order to try to make the, you know, the situation as good as possible for their kids. Be very, very vocal about this is not working for my child and we need to make improvements. You know, but I guess the good news is that at least in my experience that requesting more support, they've been responsive to it. So, Well, that's good to hear. 
Thank you both for being on the show today. We could keep going for sure. So maybe there will be part two, part three, or we should just have you gals on quarterly because I don't think that this is going away. There is no normal anymore for the next no. year or maybe two years. And so uh, yep. I think we're going to need your, your input. <laughs> well, we're happy to come. And thank you. you know, as things continue to evolve, I'm sure our advice will evolve both Aaron and I really feel passionately about just wanting, um, you know, our kids and especially our special kids to, to be able to grow like they deserve to, you know, right. and they need right. school for that. Friends, thank you so much for listening to the show today. I really hope that you got a lot out of our time together with advocate Aaron and attorney Grace. They are a wealth of knowledge and I'm sure we will definitely have them back on the show. As you know, I'm a lover of words and quotes, and I leave this one for you today. Every child deserves a champion, an adult who will never give up on them, who understands the power of connection and education and insists they become the best they can possibly be. Please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share with other mothers who are seeking support and inspiration for life in the trenches of motherhood. We will drop new episodes every Wednesday. Join our community by going to wearebravetogether.com and filling out the little pop-up form. We are here for you.